Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. Uh, Farid, have we finally reached the post-American world you wrote about a decade ago? Well, you know, what I was writing about in that book was the, the post-American world because uh, you had China rising, you had India rising, you had uh, Europe that had come together. The point I was trying to make was we're in a kind of historical shift of power where these other countries, often that had long been mired in poverty, are rising in uh, economic growth, political power, cultural confidence. And so that world has been going on. You know, the emerging markets were 5% of global GDP 25 years ago. They're now 50% of global GDP. But what I did not predict uh, was that the United States would sort of abdicate leadership of, of, of its position. Because I, I argued the United States would still be incredibly powerful. It would set the agenda. It represented, you know, the, the values. It had a way of being able to be the leader. And this shift where the United States has decided to literally just walk away from its own creation. I mean, people forget yeah. this was the yeah. world that FDR and Harry sure. Truman built after World War II. And to see, you know, the Europeans, as I say, are sort of surprised because they don't quite understand well, it. They're like, wait, you built this house and now you want to set it on fire? I, I'm less surprised that a Trump could rise. I mean, that has happened in countries where, as how quickly mm. the Republican Party just completely got behind him. It, it reminds me of the Neanderthals. You know, <laughs> no, no, really, if you, I, I love ancient uh, archaeology and that kind of stuff. So, like, you have the humans and the Neanderthals who are sharing the planet from about 100,000 B.C. to about 40,000 B.C., and then suddenly, no more Neanderthals. Well, I think because humans, <laughs> they, they figured out <laughs> the blowgun. So they could kill you from 10 feet away. I'm getting this from the movie Quest for Fire. <laughs> but I think that. So, but like, it's like there's Neanderthals and then suddenly the fossil, gone. And that's kind of what happened to the Republicans. I, I think They were I, just there and then they suddenly disappeared. I think what happened is, and this is, you know, gets to the point Linda was asking, what happened to my party? I think that Trump recognized, and the primaries you see this, that the, Repu the base of the Republican Party was in a completely different place than the elites in Washington thought. The elites in Washington yeah. were still re reciting the Reagan formula. Free trade, exp you know, expansionist foreign policy, entitlement reform. The base of the party is now a white working-class uh, base that wants to hear about Mexicans, Muslims, and Chinese people. They want to hear about how the, 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 the Mexicans are taking your jobs, the Chinese people are taking your factories, the Muslims are killing you. Trump says, I'll beat them all up, you'll be great again. But that, you know, but that, 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 that was Trump's one-hour speech in one line, by the way. But, uh -huh. but let, let me push back against that a little bit. I mean, the fact is, there were like 16 Republicans running in the primaries. Right. And Trump... Didn't, he did not get a majority of Republican uh, support during the primaries. He got a, you know, a plurality, and he won, and he won in a lot of places. But the fact that it was so divided, the fact that the party had no discipline whatsoever... I mean, I, I'd sort of like to bring back the smoke-filled rooms. Let's have yes. some, you know, vetting of people right. before they decide to run for president, but, for goodness sake. Yeah, but... but <laughs> I mean, I... I but you can't diminish... You can't diminish... You can't diminish what Trump did as a, as a political matter. I mean, whether you want yeah. a plurality or not, he, he had 16 opponents, many of them governors, senators, them and he just slaughtered them all, right. one by one, without really any impediment, okay, I, anything holding blame... him back. And now, and now, I think the more relevant point the bill's making is, today, the never-Trump rump is 
diminished, dwindled to almost nothing. Yeah, but You've got this incredibly high, historic, as I said before, historic level of support among Republicans. And no one, even though you can at least at the beginning of the administration, you look to people like Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell and said, well, they're going along with Trump to get their agenda done. Well, they got their tax cut, and now today they're still and they not have standing no up to Trump. They have no other agendas. They're afraid of the base. They know the base is with them. I know. This is now the party of Trump. Let's get another question in. Let's get these people spend time writing these questions. Let's get <laughs> this is for you, Sir okay. Michael. You said you can be a, you said you can be a minority and a conservative, but can you be a minority and a Republican under this administration? You know, that's a good question. I think that the expectation, at least from what I get from uh, talking to other African Americans and minorities in general, is that sure, we don't have a problem with you being a Republican, but our expectation is that you are articulating the concerns of our community. So yes, I'm a, I'm a black person who happens to be a Republican. That doesn't mean I don't care about police brutality. That doesn't mean I don't care about criminal justice reform. Those are issues that disproportionately impact my community. And it is my duty, if you will, when I'm at that table, when I'm in those meetings, to advocate for the issues of my community, because I recognize there will be moments like the moment we see now where you have a Jeff Sessions running the criminal justice system and he's rolling back a lot of things that President Obama did with bipartisan support that benefited African Americans. So it is my charge to say, wait a minute here, you're not going to pass policy legislation that's going to continue to disproportionately impact not only black people, but brown people. So I think you can most certainly be a conservative and a minority, but being a Republican right now during the age of Trump, I think is a very difficult thing. Michael, you want to... No, absolutely right. I mean... <clears throat> Which is why uh, Sir Michael happens to be one of my favorite Republicans. Uh, because what we've seen is a That's lack of... big of you. Oh, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Pretty short <laughs> list. <laughs> Some of your best friends are Republicans. You know, y'all are taking all my good lines. But the thing is, is that if you have black people who understand, even in the, if you're associated with that administration, that what Trump is doing is undercutting the value of not only black people, but Republicans, as we've been saying. And the fact that you had William Coleman, the fact that you had a, a legacy of black people, Jackie Robinson, for that matter, who were Republicans, who understood that it was about an economic orientation of fiscal conservatism. It was not about the culture wars that Trump seems invested in, because one of the factors we missed in all of this brouhaha is the demonization of the big black boogeyman, Barack Obama, and that spooked a lot of people into voting for the Republicans in a serious way. But you know, Dr. I disassociate myself as a black conservative with what we call lily-white conservatism mm. that sort of wallows in, in, in racism, if you will, bigotry, sexism, if you will. And I think you have to make a clear distinction between the two. And where the Republican Party screws up time and time how, again... How do you do this? I can understand how you could do it when the Republican Party was a party that was about economics and free sure. markets and free... Mm -hmm. Right now, the Republican Party is defined by its suspicion and hostility toward people who look different, sound different, worship different gods. So what do you... That's the party. How are well, you well, distinguishing well, 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 look, for Rita, you know, President Trump talks a lot about patriotism to the country. When we say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, we say one nation under God, indivisible, et cetera, et cetera. One nation under God, indivisible. One nation. Rhetoric or reality? Do we truly believe we are one nation? And if we are, then that means we recognize and we accept that we are a country compounded of different folks from all over the world, regardless of what they look like, their sex, or their religion. Well, that's, not, that's not how a lot of your fellow Republicans and, look and at Donald it. Trump's <laughs> family, <laughs> but Donald Trump 
certainly doesn't well, look at him. All you had to do yeah. is look at, you know, Hurricane right. Maria and, and look what happened but, in Puerto Rico. But he we've allowed him, Linda, to I, define I wouldn't wait Americans. for your invitation to the CPAC convention. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's not coming anytime okay. soon. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Get this at the gift shop, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> On your way out. Right next Thank to my book. <laughs> Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10. Or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.